Year was 1978, coming to 1979. We had just moved from, or did we? We were still in Boston. I think we left Needham, and we were now in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, so, and uh, miniseries were, were starting to take the storm, start you know take TV by storm, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Usually back then you had Western miniseries or like Little House on the Prairie miniseries, you know, stuff like that. But horror, you didn't really get these these serial, these middle of the serial, but these movies, that these TV movies that came out that would last you like two nights back to back or whatever they did. And it was kind of Stephen King that started that craze or the studios who owned the Stephen King property. Yeah, I think it was really Um, so that they could do proper justice to the length of, a, of the likes of a Stephen King book you know because these, these are quite you know big novels and you couldn't really do it proper justice in an hour and a half film do you know what I mean well, if, well it's funny to say that because this was supposed to go out in the theater mm-hmm. so what happened was obviously Carrie came out a few years before this and Carrie was gold made a lot of money and great reviews and it's rightfully so it's a wonderful film uh, and Sissy Spacek. It is, yep. I agree. And uh, Palmer. Just, just, just a, yeah, Brian De Palma, legend. Mm-hmm. But um, then The Shining just got picked up by Kubrick and his team. So he was pretty much a hot little item. But so was Vampires. And in 1979, John Badham's version of Dracula was coming out with Frank Ligella, my personal favorite. We'll, find, we'll eventually get to it. It's a wonderful film. Yep. And you had the Nosferatu the, remake, the remake yeah. coming out of the same year. So the producers decided, we're not going to put this out in the theater. We're going to make this a TV miniseries. And that is why George Romero dropped out of the project. Mm-hmm. George Romero was supposed to headline and direct this. But he did not want to do TV Talk about how the tables have turned these days. Everybody wants to do TV now. Well, it's, I mean, TV has changed dramatically since we were yeah. kids. You know, it's basically exactly. people have many cinemas in their own house. Yep, exactly. Uh, so they got Toby Hooper, which was a nice choice. Mm-hmm. Toby Hooper's obviously hot from the little classic, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and amongst other stuff. And so he jumped on board, and we got the 1979 Salem's Lot TV miniseries that would begin a trend from all the way from that to now. That's a lot of Stephen King's yeah. adaptations went right to TV and they became these little miniseries events. Mm-hmm. I watched them all. I remember it was like a it was an event. Yeah, you know, we were all excited to see what the new Stephen King series, including it, which was really big mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety. Uh, I remember Rose Red, my personal favorite, Storm of the Century. A lot of them. We didn't actually get on... See, see, at the time in the UK, 
we oh, well up until yeah 1982 we only had three channels to choose from then channel four came along in 1982 but ultimately you know we still only had like basically a handful of channels so we rarely got to see these on tv but where, where we did get to see them was they were released on video as films yeah because you guys got salem's lot over in europe mm-hmm. salem's lot was a movie release but but not in cinema. There's a two hour uh, two hour version that did come out in Europe. I don't know what what happened in the UK. Yeah. But in Europe, you guys did get the two hour version that hit theaters, and then we got that version on VHS. Now I believe that this Salem's Lot was actually shown on UK TV. However, I, I remember my mum talking about it, um, and you know I, I was thinking to myself, but it was on like really late at night, and I was really young. I mean, I was only born in '76, and it didn't get seen it until. I was maybe around 10 or 11 when I rented it from the video shop, but it was in its full form. It was like a three-hour film, basically. Okay, yeah. In the States, we got... TV series was three hours, obviously. Mm-hmm. Four hours if you count commercials. Yeah. And then um, the video release for years was only a two-hour edit. Right. It wasn't until the mid-90s, I believe, where the full edit came out. So it was weird why they did. Never understood why they did that. Yeah. But yeah, here we are. We're going to talk about uh, Sam's Lot. We always talk about revisiting a film and does it hold up? And is it, you know, is it a piece of crap now? Because, you know, it's just the way it is. Things just don't hold up. Uh, I, I'll just jump right on the band. I'll just jump right on the, uh, uh, I'll just say right now that. Uh, I fucking enjoy this movie. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I mean, and while it, while it is it is a little seventies cheesy at times, you know, in sort of in several ways, it still works as a horror film. And there are some still some very iconic scenes and characters, namely Straker and Barlow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's funny when we we when I watched this and one of my favorite Stephen King films, and it actually did the same thing this film did. It was actually supposed to be a two two day miniseries, mm-hmm. but four hours long, three hours with commercials. But they decided to edit it and put it out in the theater. Didn't do well, so they re edited and they put the the you know the, the two day series out on TV. Yes. Movies called Needful Things. Yes. One of my favorites. I love Max Van Sydow. Bonnie Bedelia is again is in that one. Yes. Ed, and Ed Harris. Had Ed Harris. Yes. And it, yeah, it's about a, the devil goes to town. I won't, we won't get into that one, mm-hmm. but it is about a man who owns this antique shop, and mm-hmm. he goes to this antique shop that will the collectibles, and the collectible someone could relate to it in, in the town. Yeah, it. I this had such of that quality in it. Yes, especially Stryker's character who has the antique shop. Yeah. Um, Stephen King really have, does have a tendency to rip off his own stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there are certain King tropes. A lot of his main characters are either writers or teachers. Um, small town, Americana, and Maine, you know. So, yeah, there, there's definitely certain King tropes. And, you know, there, there's also the small town with all its secrets and affairs and sort of well-rounded, great, believable characters. Yeah, 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 no, they are, and... And you mentioned hokey a bit, and I was uh, I was concerned that it would be too hokey for you know for it to play today. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it is. I think it's it's got some pretty f- 
yeah, obviously some cheese to it. We're going to have that, especially a vampire film in general. Uh-huh. But a lot of stuff in the seventies you wouldn't get away with now. Yes, um, like the um, the Sawyers, uh-huh. uh, George Rosenda, who I like to see. He's he's a, he's a fun actor. Yeah, but when he catches his wife cheating, yes, he beats her up. Yes, uh, and also she she then uh, pretends that Crockett raped her. Yeah, so a lot of things you pretty edgy. Although to be fair, you don't actually see the domestic violence on screen. It's he closes the yeah. door and then you hear like a sort of smack type thing. But then you see her with the black she has eye. A black eye, yeah. But yes, by to, but I, I just think for the for the seventies, pretty risky. Um, but I have to admit the uh, what I forgot about when I was watching this. I love. I think his name was Henry Suckman. Mm-hmm. He did the score for this. I love the score. Yeah, yeah. The score is so fun and playful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it, it's, it's hypnotic. I just love it. Mm-hmm. It's simple. You know? I, I, it sort like, of harks back to, Psycho, there's a certain Psycho, I'm not saying, yeah. uh, you know, on like Reanimator, it's its own score and it doesn't rip off Psycho, but there certainly seems to be a proper homage to the Psycho score and a lot of the older score, um, horror film scores as well. Um. Yeah. Def- that was. It was. It was a good. It was a good way to start. Start the program with the uh, the score and the picture of the house and the yep. house is coming into pick. You know, coming into into full uh, full the development. House. Yeah. Um, now I got a little confused because I watched uh, Chapel Wait not too long ago. It was a miniseries prequel to Salem's Lot. Yes. And I don't know why I never caught this. It's not really about vampires. Mm-hmm. Okay. The house is the evil part. Mm-hmm. So the house happens to bring evil to it. Yes. So uh, David Soul's character, Ben Mears, goes back because he wants to write about this house. He discusses it. He, yeah. And he talks about how there was a murder in the house, murdered his family. The original owner and stuff. Yeah. There was a hanging and stuff like that. And now the vampires come into this house. It's not necessarily about, it's not necessarily it's about vampire. House. It's about the house itself. And yeah. that's one of the reasons they burn it down at the end. Yeah. Can I say about Chapel Wait as well? Although I haven't seen it um, yet, I would like to see it. Apparently it is based on the short story by King called Jerusalem's Lot, which is basically a sort of prequel to the novel Salem's Lot. Now I haven't um, read that short story since I was a kid. It's in his collection Night Shift. But I remember it being blown away by it, and I'm going to have to revisit it. Um, yeah, it's... It's a it's brilliant a, short story. It's about, yeah, Chapel 8, we know it now as Salem's Lot. I believe that's what happens. Yes. And Chapel 8 has this place called Jerusalem's Lot. Yes. And Jerusalem's Lot's where the vampires hide. Mm-hmm. And that's where that whole kind of prequel starts. Yeah. Uh, it was okay. Uh, funny thing is Adrian Brody or something in it yeah Adrian Brody's in it the acting was pretty good I you probably really like it to be fair to it mm-hmm. uh, Trevor you probably enjoy it mm-hmm. I thought it got kind of boring and long for a certain, but King has the tendency to drab mm-hmm. but if it's based on a short story that makes sense because short stories should be short yeah <laughs> this was like a 10 episode no it, it is a literal short story but they've obviously dragged it out and developed it into whatever it is well, yeah. season, yeah, season but, two's coming. So, <laughs> but if you, uh, I'm talking about the short story and the short story in and of itself. 
Yeah. Um, I myself, I haven't read it since I was about 12 or 13, but I remember being blown away by it. It, it you know, it's always stuck on my mind. Um, so it's in Keane's Night Shift collection. I'm going to have to revisit it. I think I lent that fucking collection out to someone whenever I was like a teenager or something and never got it back. So I'm going to have to repurchase it, so, you know. Let's um, jump in just quickly here to Sam's lot. We kind of went all over the place, but that's fine with me because we're talking King and King's. Mm-hmm. Fuck, you can talk to King. Yeah. You can have a whole podcast on King. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, but let's talk about David Soul. We got Ben Mears, Susan Norton, Richard Stryker, mm-hmm. Mike, who is played by Jeffrey Lewis. I like him. Yes. You got the great Fred Willard. Yep. Uh, you got Mark, Jason Burke, uh, Dr. Norton, and Barlow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Barlow Stryker is the bad guys. Yes. So... Ben's back in this town. There's some things that don't work in this, and there's some things that do. And what does not work, and it's the stupidest love interest ever written. That it feels very forced. Yeah, Susan and Ben. They're already in a relationship and in love. And how long is he in this? Here's a problem. There is a problem with this. the time. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is they should have given us Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, or fall summer, whatever. Give us some kind of time frame when Ben Mears is here and how long he's been here for. Yes. Because there's a lot of killing going on and it seems like there's a lot of time in between the after the killing mm-hmm. and then they're already in a relationship. and Deep in almost, love. Yeah, deep in love. So they should have given us some kind of time stamp. I haven't, I haven't read the novel in years, so I, haven't, I have it sitting there. It is well overdue a reread. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, I would have to look at that more to, you know, examine the novel and that sort of love interest element, you know, with Ben Mears. I, 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 to be honest, due to time constraints, I wasn't able to read the, reread the novel um, in time for this podcast, you know, but it would be, it'd certainly um, be interesting to, to examine both from a sort of modern viewpoint, if you know what I mean, from you know, yeah. me as an adult. Um, with, so, Stryker, he's the one who reminds me of Leland Gaunt. Leland Gaunt was the devil mm-hmm. in, uh, Leadful Things. Yes. James Mason? He's, 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 James Mason's fucking awesome. I love James Oh, he's Mason. brilliant. So sinister. Uh, now, he plays, he's, is he like the Renfield? Yeah. He's basically, um, this is basically, um, Dra- I mean, King's uh, more or less admitted that Salem's Lot is basically Dracula in Small Town America. Um, now, um, yeah, he's basically the the, the, um, the main vampire, Kurt Barlow, the master. He's his human sort of, like, main servant, protector and stuff. However, he does have certain superhuman powers as well. But for yeah, all, we'll but, find that. But, yeah, for, but we'll for all intents and purposes, he's, you know, he's not a vampire. But so he, he's opening up... He is, so he go. Sorry, go ahead. What, what, what I don't understand, though, is... Barlow's coming. Mm-hmm. Okay, is the 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 ship that was it the Detmer? Yeah, what's the is that something the like that. Yeah. Um, and they're waiting for that his crate to come in. Mm-hmm. So he's opening. What's the point of the antique shop though? Uh, that's just a front for them, you know. Uh, okay, uh, but but also it's a way from from a practical point of view. It's a way of them sort of, uh, I suppose, um, making money or whatever. Because don't forget, 
fucking Barlow at least has been around for centuries so they have obviously acquired and have travelled the world have obviously acquired a lot of antiques so it makes sense from a practical point of view but but it, it is also a front um, for them to be appear as like so normal sort of citizens and to blend into the small town better do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah I just think it's kind of rushed because the killings and the disappearance, especially of the kids, happen pretty quickly. Yeah. That's why I would like that timestamp. Yes. Because for a storefront, and all this disaster is happening, in my eyes, within a week, that's what I'm just guessing, mm-hmm. it seemed to be pretty big cover, I guess you could say. Yeah. For something that's going to not last a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, with stuff like, you know, a novel, it, it'll be, you know, obviously, you know, it'll, it'll be much more detailed and these things will be explored much more. But with the film, even a made-for-TV film or a made-for-TV miniseries, there are time constraints where you have to sort of compress all this stuff into, you know, small uh, small periods of time. Because, you know, well, actually, to be fair, they have three hours, and usually it's only like an hour and a half, a couple of hours to do these things. So no, it still worked for me. So it did. No, I'm not... It's not, it's not really a negative thing. The only thing that really bothered me a lot was mm-hmm. the whole Ben Mears, Susan relationship i thought it was pretty I, stupid. I th- aside from it like them especially what we get for the outcome and the ending it's just uh, i got i got we'll get let's let's, let's move along here because we got we're kind of we're, we're kind of going sh- stuck here and it I, I really actually more want to talk about the ending than anything else because yes. you might have more answers than i would mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I liked a lot of my favorite scenes i remember as a kid yeah i remember them vividly and mm-hmm. I watched it, and I I was like, oh, yeah, I know. I could tell you when uh, Mike, Jeffrey Lewis, yes, he's the grave digger, he's the groundskeeper, mm-hmm. and he's burying one of the kids. Mm-hmm. And the kids, you know, he gets hypnotized, and he opens up the coffin, Yep. and the kid pops up Brilliant and bites scene. him. Great scene. That was a commercial break. I remember that. Well, well you know when the commercial breaks were? Because rewatching they, it, they, 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 they freeze. They freeze. Yeah. yeah. And... I mean, listen, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's not, let's not dive into all these characters. We don't need to. It's Stephen King, for Christ's sake. Yeah. If you want to know about these characters, go, go you know, read the book. Um, I do enjoy the characters. I think they're fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like characters like Burke and Dr. Norton. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're good characters. They're the ones who kind of support Ben. Yes. And what's going on here. Yeah. Um, it sucks that they get their comeuppance. But the scenes I remember that stick out is the is, oh, God, when the boys are scratching at the door. At the window? Uh, yeah. At the window. And he's, obviously his little brother, he's going to let him in. Yep. Um, but it's reversed when he's when he's going to Mark's house, his best friend. Because Mark knows he, his score. <laughs> yes, because he loves horror. He yeah. loves ghouls and monsters, so he knows not to let him in. Uh-huh. But I just remember the scratching. Let I me saw, in, I, I, Open up Mark, let me in. Yeah. yeah, and he's got the glow in the eyes and the fangs, and it works. It still works to this day. It's very, yeah. it's very surreal. And I was reading up on it. Apparently, the part of it was done in reverse to give it a more of a disorientating feel. It's it, it really you know like another worldly feel, and it still works to this day. They are still very creepy scenes. The another scene that always stood out for me is the scene where. Um, what do you call her? Uh, what do you call him? You know the the groundskeeper, or, you know the, the grave digger, Mike. Mike. Whenever he is revealed to Burke, you know, in his full vampiric form. Yes, that's that's my favorite scene. Yeah. In look the, at in me. Yes, yeah. and 
I have that cut for our intro. Right, actually. <laughs> it's my favorite. Because when he walks in there and he's looking at him with this glow in his eyes. And he and, and he, he can act. You know, he could act. So, yeah, he really sells it. I'm not saying, yeah. The kids did a good job, too. Cause they're, they all did. The acting. Yeah. You know what's funny about this? I thought the acting would be hokey for, you know, this generation. It's not. It holds you up. You know who the hokeyest actors are in it? David Soul and Bonnie. Yeah. Thing. But that, I don't think uh, that's Susan. them. That's just the stupid love story. Yeah. You know, but generally they're a bit hooky anyway. Overall, not just the, yeah. the, the love interest thing. So I suppose I, souls all right, like you know, you have to throw it in. You're going to have a love interest because you know you're going to have it because mm-hmm. he becomes the damsel in distress. They do it in Fright Night. They uh-huh. do it in all. Every Dracula film has a damsel in oh, distress. Wow. Mm-hmm. So this is what we got. Uh, poorly executed, but it's what we got. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, they had to make it to what the, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm sure they're probably when it. <laughs> Ben's invited to, I guess, family dinner after their first date. <laughs> no, it's fucking yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and, and um, Ed Flanders, not to be confused with Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. <laughs> I like I like Ed Flanders. That's oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Exodus Three and stuff. He's in. Um, he he warns them off about you know. I hear you're up at the lake. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're up, they're up at the lake all the time, and he's like, "Are you up at the lake with my daughter?" Yeah, I guess the lake is probably it's a it's a sex romp up there. Yeah, that's it. That's what they're all like. Yeah, that's where they all go to shag basically. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "Well, you know, what does he say to David?" So he goes, "I think you respect my daughter. I think she respects herself, but you know, basically, I'm watching you type thing." <laughs> you know, uh, don't you love how the cop pays the drunk guy to spy to him? go spy on Ben? Why? Yeah, it's just I, I, I don't know. I think that's sort of um, yeah. I, I think I'm gonna have to reread the novel because obviously some of these things might be completely different in the novel because um, they do change things, and I know there are a lot of changes made. But um, but then at in other times they will have to be, you know there will be more detail and more explanation where it goes into things you know in more depth. But um, yeah, that that does um, appear a bit random because they end the drunk like basically they disappears from the whole thing. Yeah, does, yeah, he doesn't get bitten, does he? Um, I don't think so. Not that I can yeah, remember. He just disappears, right? Yeah, he pretty much just disappears, and that's the end of his story arc. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, talking talking about you know uh, him beating his wife mm-hmm. and some of the uh, edgier. Backstories in this. Yeah, there's a nice little scene after when Ralphie gets it before he does his little famous mm-hmm. scratching at the uh, at the at the at his brother's door. Yeah, we see uh, Straker actually carrying his dead body in a, in a plastic bag. Yeah, in the body bag, dumping him in the basement and opening it up, and there's his corpse. Yeah, pretty pretty gra- pretty groundbreaking yeah. stuff to be doing in the mm-hmm. '70s on TV. That is. Yeah. One of my we're talking about you know um, brilliant scenes in it. One of my favorite scenes as well in it is um, I think it's only the second time we see Kurt Barlow in his full Nosferatu, you know, sort of element. Because um, in the original novel, he's not actually a Nosferatu type monster. He's more of a sort of charismatic, more human type vampire. Yeah, yeah. Slab I heard the actor. Yeah. I heard the actor wasn't happy when they found out he couldn't. They take. They're taking out his lines. Yeah, but I love the scene where he appears. In Mark's kitchen and kills his parents and the priests are, and then James Mason appears and he's going, you know, he's going, come on, preacher man, come on, shaman, you know, do your worst type thing, uh, and then Mark says, I'm going to kill you, you know, to the master. Um, it's yeah, I think that's just a brilliant scene. I remember that happened in the in the in uh, again remembering it 
with an eight year old, and yeah. uh, just freaking me out. It scared the shit and, out of me as a kid. And but watching it now, I like the fact they did this with Fright Night yeah. took from this a little bit, mm-hmm. where it's about faith. Yes, and how when Striker calls out the uh-huh. priest, the priest does, can't do anything because he doesn't have the faith. Well, well, as well, would yeah. Burke has more of the faith. You'll find out. Yeah, and Doctor Norton and mm-hmm. Ben. Um, so that's why he calls out the priests. You yeah. know, come on, nothing. shaman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your faith yeah. against um, the masters. You know, let's see who wins. Type thing. Yeah. You know, we're talking about all these what works and what. I mean, the scenes we can keep. We can keep going with the scenes. There's mm-hmm. so so many good ones, um, but in general. I want to fast forward to the ending. Yeah. And, Sorry, just and before Kate, we get to the ending, can I just yeah. uh, mention a scene that is both brilliant and hokey at the same time? It's the one in the hospital where Danny Glick's mother becomes a vampire and um, she basically, it's brilliant and it is scary up until whenever they kill her and she just like disappears and it's really hokey effects. And why, why would her clothes disappear and all, you know? Oh yeah, I saw that. I still kind of like that scene. Though. It's a brilliant scene up until up until she fucking disappears. I liked it because again, one of my favorite movies is The Fog. Yeah, and they kind of do that in The Fog mm-hmm. when the bag starts moving. Yeah, the dead bodies in it. And, you know, uh, you're right. That's the perfect way of putting it. It's it's a creepy scene, but also corny as hell. Yeah, at, at, just right at that very end. The shoot, you know, I don't know whether the budget didn't allow it or what, or but you know if they. Had of um, you know made her sort of I don't know rot away you know like as Barlow does like Barlow does at the at the very end that would have worked better than have her just like vanish in a cloud of dust. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, Stephen King and he he admits this has a tendency. He goes on for over. He goes in the littlest detail. Yeah, you'll number two pencil. They're writing on a, mm-hmm. uh, blah, you know, letterhead. They'll just he'll go into detail at mm-hmm. everything that's going on in 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 the in a scene. Mm-hmm. But he has a tendency. His endings kind of suck. He sort of yeah. He's sort of and infamous it, for them. You know, so uh, it is a perfect example. Fun, great, great little miniseries. But, but then I don't have, have a major issue with them. In general, I do. If I haven't read the book, so I can't judge it. But I'm telling you now, about two hours and a half to mm-hmm. get to our finale, mm-hmm. last 20, 25 minutes. As well. And I, I, I mean, I still go with it because I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed, it's uh-huh. funny because I actually enjoyed watching the characters and each one of them getting their comeuppance and disappearing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That was more fun than what we get in an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about how we see Stricker's strength when he takes, which is a nice little death. Mm-hmm. He takes uh, Dr. Norton and he throws him against the antlers. Yeah. And, uh, pretty gory little effect. I, I loved how the Marston house looked on the inside. Yeah, yeah, very goth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, did you see like the debate where they go in the basement? Oh, and yeah. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty fucking big basement because I, I, I mean, that's not... It, it almost looked like something James Whale would have produced on yeah. the Frankenstein set. It's a, it's a vampire hive. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, so they go in there, and Mark runs out because he's there, and he goes, get out of here. You know, he mm-hmm. wants to get revenge. Running, don't stop yeah. running. <laughs> yeah. He obviously stays to help. But at the end of the day, 
They shoot Striker. Mm-hmm. Takes him a while to go down because, you know, he's badass. Mm-hmm. He crumbles. He, he dies. Mm-hmm. And then they open up, they take off the coffin, stab Nos, uh, Nosferatu. I was going to say Barlow. Uh-huh. Boom, he's dead. And then they lock the other guys because they're still alive. They're crawling out of the little underground dwelling, whatever they have there, which is a nice little scene, actually. Mm-hmm. They're coming out. Yep. And they're crawling out toward him. That was a creepy little shot. Mm-hmm. But I'll shut it, put it on fire at the end. Yeah. It is a bit anticlimactic. I think um, Barlow... You, you needed think, a Barlow moment there. Yeah, Barlow needed also, to get down with more of a fight. Also, like in the beginning, we were introduced to uh, Ben and Mark. Mm-hmm. They're in Guatemala. Yes. And they're hunting. They're being hunted I by love vampires. those movie-ended scenes, by the way. Yes. So we're back in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. A couple of questions. Yeah. Bonnie Bedelli is there, Susan. Uh-huh. But wouldn't she have went... Reverted back. She's a vampire. Or, no, but when you kill the head vampire, if you weren't killed by the vampire, you just turned. You would go back to your natural human state. I, I, no, 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 but not within this universe. I don't believe so. Because remember, because they killed Barley, and then you got the other guys coming out after him. Well, they would have died because you killed you. You cut the head off the leader. Yeah, but the, I don't think those rules apply in the Salem's Lot universe. They should have given us something then about that. Yeah, uh, I think it's different. Slightly, you know, with each different vampire story, there's like different sort of rules, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't think those rules apply within the the Salem's Lot universe because that's why they torched the house. They didn't just torch it because it's an evil house. It was to kill the remaining vampires as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, you know, because we all know that's usually the the go to for mm-hmm. vampires. Is you kill the leader, yeah. boom, they're all good. Or so we should the sunlight or whatever, yeah. We should have got a one line fix. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been cool if they get Barlow first, mm-hmm. and then you got Stryker at the showdown mm-hmm. because he's more powerful, so you can throw shit around, and yeah. that would have been better because a we knew him better. We knew he killed Ralph. Plus, it's James Mason, and he's a and fucking, it's James Mason. He sells the sinister so well. You you felt you have this character pretty much pretty much that hit. The, the 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 face of the of the bad guys for mm-hmm. the whole movie. He should have got more of a showdown, maybe, mm-hmm. and then he could have had the one. They both should have. The both he, both Straker and Barlow deserve better sort of um, deaths. You know, finales. Well, uh, but but if you kill, no, more. because if you kill Barlow, okay, let's say they have a big fight with Barlow, right? Mm-hmm. And they kill him. Mm-hmm. I'd be nice to see Striker coming down after he got shot. He still survives because he's yeah. badass, like a final. Scar and then he goes with Striker. Street he goes, the yeah. rules don't apply in our world. Yeah. So he could have, you know what I mean? That would have gave us a little, okay, that's why these other ones are still mm-hmm. alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we didn't get that. I thought that was kind of a, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. We, I'm obviously, we're... By the way, here is some useless trivia for you. Um, you probably know this already, but I think it was around 1987, there was a sequel to this. So there was... Yes, it's called, horrible. Return yes, to Salem's Lot. I haven't seen it since I was a kid as well. I remember getting it out on video, but I remember it being crap. It's considered one of the worst sequels ever produced. Yeah, I would like to revisit it again just out of, just out of pure curiosity. It's funny yeah. you say that. I was thinking, for our fun listening audience, mm-hmm. we do it. Yeah, I'm up for it. Because if you all know, the one of the reasons we're doing this uh, Salem's Lot is because I am a diehard fan of James Wan. Mm-hmm. I know you're not, jerk. <laughs> James Wan, The Conjuring franchise, the great, great, great Malignant. You thought was a piece of crap. 
I didn't say it was a piece of crap. It was average. It was average. It was average. Oh, my God. So, anyways, <laughs> him and Gary Dalbert, Gary Dalbert produced and wrote the It movies that we just saw. Mm-hmm. They're doing Salem's Lot for the yeah. big screen. It's got a really good cast. Comes out in August. Mm-hmm. Don't know the rating yet. I don't know the length. But I hope it's a little long because it should be. Because mm-hmm. Salem's Lot should be longer. But I'm dying. And but the only thing I can know from it is that the vampire is going to be like Barlow. They're mm-hmm. going to keep it the Nosferatu vampire. Yeah. Um, Apparently so Stephen King was also very cool. Um, was also um, happy enough with them. You know, making Barlow an Osferatu type vampire in the '79 version as well. Yeah, you may as well. And can I say yeah. as well, um, Salem's Lot was also um, made just last year, and it was called um, Midnight Mass. <laughs> yeah, 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 that that was fucking brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was great, but you know what? I think this is better. The '79 Salem's uh, Lot. Oh no, 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 no. Technically, I, I, I so, wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. Pro, on uh, a technical level, Midnight Mass is better. Um, yeah. but Mike Flanagan is untouchable. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a technical level, it is obviously much superior, but things have changed over the last 40 years in terms of filmmaking. However, for personal nostalgia's sake and for genuinely creepy, still scurry scenes right up to this day, 1979 Salem's Love for me. All right, that's all, that's all right. There's nothing wrong with it. So obviously, we all we both enjoy the enjoy it. I enjoy both. Yeah, yeah. So at the end, when they are, we're, we're flat, we're back from the beginning with Guatemala, mm-hmm. and the holy water starts glowing. Is, is the holy water letting them know there's a vampire in the area? Pretty much. Pretty that's much. Stupid. Uh, yeah, I know. I know that is. But uh, and even the effects of it, because it's actually you know like a freeze frame of um, like Demon Soul's hand. Uh, and with this shiny <laughs> bottle of holy then, water, yeah, that's, that was a bit daft. They should have dropped that. So I guess it's a compass. Yeah. Uh, so it guides them to Susan, uh-huh. and there she is in this the silk nighty. Yeah, this is hooky. No. This is bad. And then he stabs her. You don't even see her get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, it is a bit laughable. This bit, but actually, considering all the greatness that came before, this is a bit of a sort of what the fuck. It's supposed to be like deeply emotional, and you're, you have to feel the pain, yeah. the soul's feeling, you know, because he, he's he's staking his true love, who's now a vampire. But it's like just fucking stake the bitch. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the only funny thing is, um, Mark and and, uh, and uh, Ben have they even fucking showered? Since, yeah, they're uh, fucking stinking. Yeah, yeah. I was like, come <laughs> on. But yeah, I was pretty stupid. I hope they change this ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, or give us a little more something, something in the in the new version mm-hmm. coming. You know what I was thinking about? You know what? Since we're diving into this, this is what we should do. And I, we'll do Return of Salem's Lot that came out in 70, uh, 87, 88, whatever yeah. it was. And then we'll do the the reboot that came out, with, which I thought was pretty good. Rob Lowe and Rucker Howard and yeah, Donald Sutherland. Yeah, or something, wasn't it? Yeah. I haven't so we seen should it. Do, you haven't? Nope. And I'll tell you the reason why. At the time... I was a bit sort of fed up with remakes, and I was just saying I, I, the reason I didn't watch it was because I didn't want it to tarnish my memories of the '79 one and the book. So I was just well, the return of Salem's Lot will do that. I'll tell you <laughs> that right now. But do you want to do that? Yeah, sure, definitely. Yeah, and then we'll do it like we'll do return, then we'll right. do the reboot next month, and then we'll we'll work our way up to the yeah. actual remake coming out. Okay. 
Yeah. Sounds like a plan to me. There you go. Well, listen, guys, uh, this is just besides the bad love story, and that's really the only thing that really bothers me. And it's the very nineteen seventies cheese, the love story. Yeah, if you can just get away from that, and yes, the ending's rushed, but that's Stephen King. Mm-hmm. It works, guys. This really does play well. I mean. The kids scrapping at the door to get into their buddy's house. Mike sitting in the chair going, you know, look at me, look at me. Yeah. He does it for like five minutes. He just that's it. And it's oh, just it's very intense scene. Yeah. Uh, the Barlow makeup still cool. He's got mm-hmm. that, that blue. What is he, like a light blue? I don't know what he yeah. is. He's kind of like, played well, by Reggie Nelder, who like played like aliens and Star Trek and stuff. You know, he had that sort of look about him. Yeah, like tall, slinky, creepy look. Yeah, but like me, actually. <laughs> um, but but it had so, it had so many good scenes that I remember, mm-hmm. and those scenes hold up. And the characters I enjoyed, guys, give it a watch. Put it on for its three hours. It flies by. Honestly, it does. And read um, the book, and also read the original short story, um, Jerusalem's Lot, which is in Night Shift. Um, I think Salem's Lot came first, and then King wrote that short story as a prequel. But yeah. Both highly recommended yeah. as well. There you go. Yeah. So there you go. We all like Chelms a lot. Yep. What's not to love about it? Well, we'll talk about the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, we peppered this one in for you guys because we're a little late getting Maverick out just because Trevor had to go to a, a chiller con. Yeah. We got, you got the new Phantasmagoria coming out. So it took a little longer for him to get to see Maverick, but we're ready to go. We're recording in the next couple of days. We'll get that out for you right away, we promise. Uh, thanks for your patience, and there you go. We're just, like I said, we're just going to give you this one because, well, we'll give you something to hold you till we get Top Gun. That's but now we just made Return to Salem's Lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the two remakes. We'll, just... we'll watch Return, of Sel- uh, Return to Salem's Lot so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I'm actually looking forward to watch that piece of shit again. Yeah, I, it's uh, just sort of for curiosity's sake. I, I want to watch it again. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, continue always to follow us as usual on Facebook and at Citizen Frame underscore podcast. The new issue of Phantasmagoria is out now, available on all on Amazon all over the world. Yep. And locally at Forbidden Planet. Yep. It is indeed. That's a wrap. And I know how to end this one. I'm just going to go ahead and say, Look at me. Good evening. Yeah, look at me. Or good evening. Yeah. Is that that Dracula thing? Good evening. It sounds like Alfred Hitchcock. You know when Alfred Hitchcock presents. Hey, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. That's right. Uh, All right, guys. Have a good night, day, or morning, whatever you got going on, whatever time zone you're in. Have a good one.